Okay, thanks everyone for joining us today. I'm Rachel O'Mara with the PauseCast. And today I'm really excited to bring my guest on, Jenny Blake, who is the author of Pivot, The Only Move That Matters is Your Next One. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for having, for, for being on the podcast. And I know we have a lot to cover, so I want to get right into it. But uh, before we do that, I thought what would be a great way to start is to pause, to literally uh, shift our behavior. And I would like to invite you, if you're interested, to lead us in that for a couple minutes. Are you up for it? Absolutely. I would love to. I find <laughs> meditation has been one of the most helpful practices that I've adopted the last few years. And Believe me, it comes from having a very, very crazy mind. <laughs> so it didn't yeah. come naturally to me. So yeah, I'll kick off this pause with a little story, which is I was doing a breathwork yoga class the other day and a haiku dropped down and I started my, my body, soul, I don't know, started talking to me in a haiku for the next few days. Super weird. But one of them that came to me was, Mind like water, drop down into that place where all is quiet, serene. And so uh, I think we often go through life, and for me especially, especially when work is busy, it feels like we have a beehive in our brain, and our mind is buzzing, and the bees are going every which way. And meditators and yogis have known that controlled breathing, slowing the breath, and counting calms the nervous system, but just recently a study came out in the New York Times confirming this. So now even more people can get on board. So I invite everybody here to close your eyes, lengthen your spine, imagine a rope pulling the crown of your head all the way up to the sky, chin tucked slightly in and back. Release all the tiny muscles around your eyes, your jaw. Everyone take a big inhale in through the nose and a loud sighing. Just releasing any stress and tension. And now I'm going to count, and we'll just do a few breaths of counting, controlled breathing. And I want you to imagine that you're dropping from your mind down into a calm body of water, like a lake at your heart center. So mind like water, drop down into that place where all is quiet, serene. So through the nose, we'll just inhale for a count of one, two, three, four. Pause. Exhaling through the nose, four, three, two, one. Pause. Inhaling nice and slow and steady through the nose, one, two, three, four. Pause. Exhaling, four, three, two, one. Pause for this last round. Again, release all the tiny muscles in your face, around your eyes. Feel yourself drop from your mind down into that calm lake at your heart center. Mind like water, drop. Inhaling through the nose, one, two, three, four. Pause. Four, three, two, one, pause. And here in this quiet place, just 
pose a question to yourself, to the universe, to whatever you believe in. What do I need to know for today? What advice would be most beneficial for me in this moment? What do I know in my gut to be true? And slowly open your eyes. And that concludes our pivot pause. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Jenny. I know I feel a little different and shifted there. It's amazing. It's amazing what one minute, two minutes, you know, and we, it's very easy to make up the story that I don't have enough time to meditate or to get quiet when really we don't have time not to because it can shift us so powerfully into our wisest selves. Yes. Yes. And as I like to quote uh, one of my mentors, Gabby Bernstein, if you don't have one minute, you have a minute to feel like crap or the rest of your day like crap. And it's like when you put it in that perspective, it, it, it makes all the difference and it's so worth it. So thank you for, for leading us here. Uh, I am, oh, I just have all these awesome questions I want to ask you, but I know to give some context for everyone, <clears throat> I want to share that Jenny used to work at Google. And as as, uh, some of my listeners know, I am at Google today. So I really feel like I'm following in your footsteps in a lot of ways where here I am and I have a book coming out and I'm at Google and I am in your program. You started the Career Guru program where I volunteer people to coach. And then I'm I'm flipping through your book last night and I see all these passages of people that I've been sharing in my book that you have. And I'm I'm just like, wow, like we are, we are so aligned. So I'm just so, it's just cool to see that. And, and uh, I know when you were at Google back in 2011, you know, you had the book coming out that you were writing while you were full-time at Google, just like me, and you left for an unpaid break, just like yeah. me. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that, because I think pausing is all about shifting your behavior intentionally, which you did. How did you navigate that? What was going on for you where you basically took the plunge, the pause plunge, as I like to say, and, and the leap of faith, really. So, so can you share a little bit about that time? And like, how was that for you? Sure. What did you get out of it and pausing and, and where you are? Yeah. For me, the book, my first book was going to come out in March of 2011. And I was pretty maxed out. As you know, Rachel, working at Google is such a wonderful and fast paced environment. So just a Google job alone would give someone kind of uh, work-life balance challenges, <laughs> um, you know, the pleasure of that challenge of figuring that out. At the same time, I was working on my blog and my book on nights and weekends, and that was only growing in popularity and my community was growing. And so, I, you know, I brought it upon myself, but I kind of kept hitting points of burnout. And I could see that when the book was coming out, this has been a lifelong dream to become an author someday. I really wanted to know that I gave the book launch my best shot. And I also knew that it wouldn't be fair to Google to be very distracted while that was happening. So I, I didn't want to give either project short shrift by trying to do both at the same time any longer. 
for me, I loved what I was doing at Google. I was managing career development programs, a global dropping coaching program that's still around today, helping out with offers at Google. I could not have invented a better role. And yet I felt like I couldn't do it all. And so when I took my pause, my three months of unpaid leave, I had really was not intending to quit. I have to say in the back of my mind, I wondered, oh my gosh, will I, will I ever be able to make it on my own? Because there was this vision that that would be very exciting. I was absolutely petrified and nobody in my life thought that would be a good idea, <laughs> you know, to leave Google and do my own thing, especially because I wasn't like I was earning any income yet from what I was doing on the side. But within two weeks of starting that sabbatical, Things with life after college just picked up so much. It became a full-time job. It, it, Parkinson's law that things will expand to the space we allow them, like it quickly consumed everything. And by mm. the end, I realized there's no way I can do both anymore. I've got to pick one. Mm. Gosh, that's, a, that's so cool to hear how it unfolded. And so you kind of, what I'm hearing is you trusted where your intuition was leading you, which was to d dedicate time. and. And I think it's so important that we do give what we really believe in our all. And, and, and then like, if you don't, it's almost like, well, how do you know it really was the best you could have made it? Or, and I think that applies to so much, whether it's our career or our family life or um, any endeavor we're working on a relationship. Like if you can't be in there 100% or 120%, um, asking yourself that it's such a good little assessment think you know and, and then knowing knowing if you're in there awesome and like pat yourself on the back that's that's a great thing to be doing and if you're not like how do you get to the hundred percent and and like make sure and, and you did and the way you did that was was the pause so and I think part of the pause part of the pause is you don't have to know the whole point of taking a pause is giving oneself space to really just separate from the day-to-day -day a little bit and Mm -hmm. It's why mindfulness practices are so important. You know, I know, Rachel, you talk about the macro container of a pause, but we also have the micro pause, but that, that silence, that beautiful, robust silence is available to us every single day. You know, I know, of course, it's hard if yep. someone has small kids running around or, you know, kind of like a sometimes chaotic household that's a little different, but within ourselves, within our bodies, that silence is always available. And it's so critical to being able to give our mind, body, business, career, the space to say, I don't know. And I'm going to get quiet every day during this pause so that yeah. as I progress through it, clarity will come. And I really believe that our guts and our intuition is so strong. Sometimes we just are afraid of what it has to say. So we think we're exactly. confused, but really we know what we want to do. We're just so scared about taking those next steps. Right, exactly. And, and, and carving out the time because it means you matter. It means I have that time. I can take the minute. I can take the five minutes. I can take the, the hour, whatever you can afford at that moment and, and shift. And I think, yeah, pause applies in those micro moments. Great way to say it. The macro container overall. And it is like letting go of control. And I know being in our corporate world that we were and that, well, that you were in and I am in, Control is so big, and, and I think yeah. that's a great segue to, to pivot, where you know, it's like, how do you change and shift if you do feel like you wanna, you wanna have a change in direction and maybe direct your control in another way, as opposed to 
um, you know, staying on the same course. So tell, tell me a little bit about Pivot and what is that for you? How does that work? For me, Pivot was a way to better ask and answer the question, what's next? I felt like I kept having a midlife or quarter life crisis in my career every two years. And I kept thinking, you know, when I was 20 and then 24 and then 27 and then 29, oh, this must be my quarter life crisis. But like it kept happening. And so I was so disoriented and so rocked around by the change process. And I felt like came to one of two conclusions. One, I'm either destined to be miserable the rest of my career and, and have these huge existential crises every few years, or two, that process is accelerating and we're all going to be asked to go through this more frequently. And as I started doing research for the book and interviewing people, the latter really proved to be true. And what I found is that pivots are as much a product of our success as anything else. That when for, I call them in the book, high net growth individuals who are really, yes, money is important, but it's not everything. Their learning and growth and ultimately their ability to make an impact is what they strive for. So for those of us who are high net growth, it's natural that every few years we're going to hit a pivot point or a plateau and look to see how we can grow and serve on an even bigger stage. So for me, pivot is about that mindset and then the skill set. And I put a fourth stage process around mapping what's next because I felt like I adopted the motto for the book. If change is the only constant, then let's get better at it. Got it. Yeah. So that's that's such a good observation yeah like how many of us are every couple of years checking in and saying is this really what i'm meant to be doing or am i satisfied with this role or job or place in my life and i love the concept of pivot because it it really emphasizes choice you always have that choice you have a choice to shift you have a choice to change you have a choice to move and sometimes we need that pause to to know that or realize that and other times we just know, and it's like, wow, I got to go, I got to do this. So I totally am in line with, with the whole concept of pivot. And what are some, what are some things that you've gleaned, like tips you would say for having a successful transition or even in that phase where you're going through those four stages you talk about plant, um, what is it? Plant. And uh, pilot launch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pilot launch. Yep, and 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 uh, I couldn't read my own writing there when I was looking at it. And, yeah, uh, no worries. And, and yeah, so tell me a little bit about like what are some ways that we can ensure a successful pivot if we know that that's something we're looking towards. Like, yeah, I need to shift. Um, what would you share with us? Well, one of the things is small steps and small experiments are really great, and so especially um, that goes for whether you're contemplating a pause or in the middle of a pause, it's all about experimentation and don't put pressure on yourself to know upfront. There's so much power in saying, I don't know, you know, I'm taking this pause and I don't know how I'm going to feel at the end of the three months. It's nerve wracking, but it's also empowering yeah. because it, it takes the pressure off. And then instead of having, I made this mistake. So let me just say I did this, but during my sabbatical mm -hmm. every day, I was like, should I go back to Google or quit? Do I go back or quit? It was pretty <laughs> kind of inefficient because I'm asking the same big question every day. And the better thing to do would have been to kind of chunk it down and say, I'm not even going to revisit that question until two thirds of the way through. And in the meantime, here are the experiments I'm going to run. And so, yeah, and actually, um, oh, just to jump in, because I know this yeah. brings up the point about the decision fatigue that you talk about and, and like, 
share a little bit about that because I think that is something that we all are going through at some point um, where we are just like bombarded with the the hows and, and what are we doing with the next step? Sure. Yeah, decision fatigue is th- this studies that show we have a limited capacity for making decisions throughout the day that just like willpower, the capacity to decide it diminishes as we get tired or hungry. So if you can only imagine during a pivot, a major career change, it's gobbling up so much of our mental bandwidth. We simply don't have the resources to carry too much more than that. Or if we're bogged down in the day-to-day of our life, it's very hard to zoom back out and think about the big pivot questions or career questions. Who am I? What do I want? What's most important to me? So as much as you can create some routines and systems, some things that you don't have to decide every day, like even what your morning routines are going to look like, when you're going to exercise, what you're going to eat throughout the week, what you're going to wear. I mean, those are all things that can help create just enough structure to free up your mind for some of the bigger decisions. Mm, Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, that's helpful. So what else would you say is uh, something to be aware of just as, as I'm thinking about, about pivoting? Let's see here. I think that, um, you know, ripping, one of the things about pivot, one of the big mistakes I made was not looking at what was already working. And so one of the best things to do during a pause is not just look at what's out there and what's next, but what's already here. What do I already know? What am I enjoying the most? And I know, Rachel, for you, for example, you've been part of Authors at Google for such a long time. And Mm -hmm. in doing that, networking with other authors, and to the point where when you were ready to write your own book, you had all these people and resources at your disposal. That's really cool. It's a really organic unfolding of an interest that you had and then having that interest expand and expand and then empower you to be able to do the same thing. So following those threads, those clues is really helpful of what's already working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess if I were to think about that, I, I was interested to be more present. I wanted to do something that really fulfilled me and hosting speakers satisfied that It, it was great. And gosh, I had no concept or idea that this would be where and how it unfolds at this point with me and, and the book. But uh, either way, it all it all worked out. And it is. It's about trust and being like, yeah, I'm going to follow that instinct. I'm going to see where this takes me. And uh, and that's how it ended up with that. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, wrapping up here, I know we talked about Google and our similar life paths and with Pivot coming out, uh, tell us a little bit about what, uh, you know, what, is there any big lesson that you learned or a tip that you would share from your journey and what Pivot has brought to your world? Well, one thing is to recognize that the pause, just as pivots are not a one and done process, the, the truth is we're so much more often in a state of pivot going into one or coming out of one than we're ever, mm-hmm. you know, staying in one place. Well, pauses work the same way. What I'm finding is that after a lot of big creative projects or transitions, there is a pause, kind of whether we like it or not. So I noticed that my book came out in September and I, you know, I did a big launch push and really put myself out there and did a bunch of podcasts. 
And then I did it on, I have a pivot podcast and I did an episode called post launch pivot point and the furry rust monster. And it was like the monsters Inc, the big furry blue guy, totally friendly, but swallowed me up out of my couch and just said, you're not moving anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I just had such a deep need for rest and to do nothing. And in some ways it felt disorienting because I just launched a book Shouldn't I be pounding the pavement? You know, what's wrong Mm -hmm. with me? And yet my whole system was just saying, we need a pause. It was releasing the energetic release of three years of working on this project so intensely. And so, and I did, I actually built in time for a pause for myself preemptively. I made a point three weeks after my launch, I had a week that had no meetings and no calls and boy, did I need it. And so I think in some ways I anticipated that I would get to this point, but I will also say that often the pause lasts twice or three times as long as we think we it's going to. So while yeah. I gave myself a week, what I really found was I really was, was craving two and three and four weeks. And it can be yeah. disorienting. We can wonder, oh, my gosh, am I ever going to get my mojo back? <laughs> but to just trust yeah. that so much richness emerges from the pause. And it's like waves roll in and all of this and shells and goodies get deposited mm. on the shore and then they roll out and oh when they that's roll so out, cool as a visual yeah, yeah exactly so you're right yeah. yeah yeah your wave comes in you let it wash up you are in the wave it leaves things for you and those are like the treasures the treasures that come up from the bottom that really allow them to come up i had to use metaphor and and knowing to pause and i think what i'm what i'm hearing and what i really like about what you're sharing is is it doesn't, you know, you may not know how long it is and you can take your best guess, but you know what you need. And if you just trust that in, in what you need, and it, you might just start and say, I'm going to block this hour on a Saturday. Um, in your case, you had a book launch. There's a lot going on. I'm, and yeah, you needed to take a week and, and more. So I commend you for, for listening to yourself for that. And I think well, if we can just tune in, yeah, that's important. When you say when you'll know what you need, uh, sometimes, though, I will say our mind does not know, our body knows. Mm-hmm. And yes. the, the, the struggle comes when we fight what the body is wanting with our mind. So it's like, you'll know, well, really, your body will know what you need. And your mind, <laughs> it, the best you can do is sort of like, give space for that and allow your body's innate intelligence to do its thing. But often, we, we don't know what we need until we're like, totally burnt out. You know, so absolutely. (laughs) And we live, we're creatures of our minds, right? We live in our neck and above a lot of the time, especially me. I I can definitely attest to that. And I need to consciously change and remind myself, like, what am I doing? So those little signs where you might feel fatigued or your eyes start fluttering or you might be getting sick or any of those things, I think are literally clues that your body's telling you, tapping you on the shoulder kind of gently and saying, hey, Hey you, uh, pay attention to me. I'm down here as well, and listen. Mm-hmm. I need to to be in a, a resting place of of, uh, of pausing. So, yeah, that is very true. And uh, I think just kind of wrapping up here, um, you know, if you had to if you had to share a, a a glean of insight or one thing that you think our listeners would want to know about how to pause in the moment and like really make those calls to know what's next, what would you offer? Mm, I would, yeah, I would start by looking at the the structures in in your life. So how can you 
create a little space for yourself this week. And I know sometimes it's, it can be intimidating to even think about taking a three-month pause. In some ways, Rachel, because we've done it, we, we might forget how, I don't know about you, but how intimidating it was to oh, even God, contemplate yeah. three months off and unpaid. And, and uh, even one month off is scary. And I know some people are nervous to even take one week of vacation, you know? And mm-hmm. so I get it. And I think that I'm doing, I have a private community called Momentum. And right now we're doing a 15 for 30 challenge. And it's 15 minutes a day for 30 days on something. I've been so amazed by how much gets done in that tiny of a window. So mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody listening to not just aim for the big, huge pause that you're going to, like the grand slam that you're going to try and knock out of the park. But also, if you gave yourself just 15 minutes a day for you to create space for whether yeah. it's just being quiet or working on a creative project, that that alone will be cumulative and it will build even over the course of a month and be, provide such powerful insights by the end of that month. Oh, thank you for that and inviting us into that, that, that practice. That sounds great. And where can we find more out about that or more about you and Pivot? Tell us where, to, where we, yeah. can, we can find you on the, in the world. There's, there's a whole toolkit of free templates and resources at pivotmethod.com slash toolkit. And then there's also a team of six awesome Pivot coaches. So if anybody listening, you just want a two-session jumpstart to help start thinking through your next move. They are all amazing. And Momentum is the private community. So that's all at pivotmethod.com. And then I have a blog and some archives at JennyBlake.me. I'm not as active there, but there's the Pivot Podcast, wherever you listen to casts. And then I'm on Twitter at Jenny underscore Blake. Great. Thank you. So, so the pivotmethod.com slash toolkit for extra and additional resources. That sounds awesome. And we'll go from there. So Jenny, thank you so much for sharing today. It's been wonderful to hear your insights and learn about Pivot more and what you went through. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me and to everybody for listening. Okay, great. Well, thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thanks, Jenny. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel.